Success stories and interviews with game changers and thought leaders who have overcome both in life and in business. Welcome to Vertical Momentum. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of Vertical Momentum, where we talk to game changers and thought leaders that are changing the world in 2021. Guys, first of all, I just want to thank our sponsor, Jason Lane Curtis of Bonvera. Because as I was in the military, I got hooked on energy drinks, and I still got to have one a day. So thank you, Jason, for sponsoring me. And you are, and he's also a veteran-owned company, and his product is called Physics Zero. Great energy, no crash, no sugar. Check him out. Guys, this is going to be a fun episode. Get your pen and paper out. You're going to learn some amazing things. My friend Ty has done some amazing things in uniform and even better things out of uniform and he's the first ever guest ever on here that i've met on clubhouse so he's the first one he's the game changer he broke the mold my brother ty what's up man how are you brother thank you for the introduction man that uh wow that's that's impressive i i, I wow thank you good so what's up brother I'm, I'm sorry and i know you're on holiday so i do apologize for bothering you on no no you're you're not bothering me i promise it's all good how's your day going uh it has been actually really good i uh got to fly up here to uh, colorado and then uh one of the gentlemen that i uh he actually introduced me the uh the middle class millionaire uh joe sug he actually met me at the airport and uh we we went and and broke bread together had some lunch and and just filled me with all kinds of incredible ideas and where I should take things. And he, I was completely blown away from just, just his hospitality and his kindness and his willingness to share. And uh, I, I've got like a whole iPad note thing full of <laughs> where I need to take things from Joe's conversation. Uh, he's, he's just, he's an incredible dude, has a heart, heart for veterans, heart for life. It's, it's cool. It was really, really neat. So and then- Hopefully you're going to tell Joe about our show and have him come on. You know what? You know I will because I'm, I know he would love to. We're right here, we're all about you know helping and um, so tell us a little bit of where were you born and what kind of little kid was taught. <laughs> uh, so I was born in uh, Coeur d'Alene, Idaho. Uh, so if you if you know where Seattle is and then head east to Spokane, head further east and then you get Coeur d'Alene. Uh, when Coeur d'Alene was growing up and, and being established, it was uh, primarily due to uh, the coal and silver mining out of Kellogg and things. Uh, but now if you walk down Coeur d'Alene, uh, the, the main drag, you will run into people like you've probably heard of John Elway. Or you've probably heard of Tiger Woods. You've probably heard of um, just about any movie star, movie star you can think of. They all have houses or mansions on the lake now. Uh, and uh, so, yeah, you... Um, it's, it's so expensive to live up there that, uh, everybody lives, uh, at least 40 miles outside of Coeur d'Alene because that's how much it's grown. So what kind of little kid were you? <sighs> that is a good question. I was into everything that I could get my hands on and I was very much active in, uh, sports and scouts and, uh, and different activities. So did a lot. I, I played a lot of traveling soccer. Uh, and so that meant that I would travel and play into Canada and uh, the surrounding states and, and did that a lot. And, and, and now being older and looking back, I'm like, good grief, Dad, how, how did you finance that thing? Because 
that's a lot of money uh, that he spent on allowing me to play soccer. And I didn't really play soccer. I played more of a rugby sport. I was kind of a hellion. And um, I was a defender, and nobody's getting in my house. And that's just how I played. So that's, that's kind of how I was as a kid. And what kind of student were you? Uh, you know, there you go. That's the one to tap into. I did not. So the high school that I went to, I didn't fit in with the soccer players. Uh, and so I had real long hair. I was into snowboarding at the time too, and, uh, and mountain biking and rollerblading. So I, I actually got along better with the dudes that smoked pot and drank alcohol. Uh, I, I didn't do the whole pot thing and I didn't really drink the alcohol a lot. Um, but that's who I kind of hung out with. And so of course my guidance counselors, um, you know, they zero in on you and they're like, yeah, you're, you're a Joey bag of donuts there. Uh, so when, when I was getting ready to graduate, uh, my, my high school year, my guidance counselor basically told me, look, dude, you're going to, you're, you're never going to amount to anything. So you need to go to a Botech school or join the military. That was my options when I left high school. Okay. So now I love hearing everybody's recruiting story. <laughs> the time, the day that you walk into the recruiter's office. Yeah. Well, so when I got that information, I was gung ho. I'm ready for the Marine Corps. I always wanted to do uh, something to that that uh, degree. But I had broken my finger when I was in uh, a freshman in high school and I have two pins in my finger. And when Sergeant Major came and was recruiting me and he was talking to me and I'm like, yeah, I'm ready to be a Marine. Let's freaking do this. And uh, they looked up my medical records and they said, oh, bro, you got hardware. Yeah, no, sorry. You're not ever going to be a Marine. And I was crushed. I was completely crushed. So then I had to follow on plan B and that was uh, go do Votech. So I decided, well, I will find the most appropriate version of Votech that I can. I did auto collision repair for about a year and a half. Got $10,000 worth of debt and tools. Uh, and then found out about a waiver. And I was like, waiver? What, what, what the hell is a waiver? And uh, basically filed to the Air Force Surgeon General. Air Force Surgeon General said, yep, go ahead and come in. Um, and so when I, when I actually enlisted, the whole reason why I even found out about the waiver is because I was actually working three jobs. So I dropped out of college. I uh, was working uh, for a diner in the morning. I'd go make eyeglasses at a local eyeglass store in the, in the afternoon and evening, and then I'd go deliver pizzas. What caused me to start really re-entertaining the idea of the military is because I was working three jobs. And so that's basically 6.30 in the morning to 1.30 in the morning the next day. And I still qualified for food stamps. And I had the, my first ex-wife. Uh, was pregnant with with our son and I was like good grief there's got to be a better way and so that's what pursued me to join the military nothing nothing for patriotic reasons purely for the benefit of having medical coverage for my kid and you you did over 20 years I did correct yes sir Um, obviously you've been um, deployed yes sir different places yep never talk I never talk about war stories but um, you know when you decided to retire. Yes, sir. First of all, I got to ask you because it's, you know, I want to say thank you for your service. You know, I love my veterans. Yeah, thank you. Um, when you decided to retire, did you know anything? Did you feel anything was a little bit off mentally or did everything <laughs> come? <out? laughs> That's a great question, too. Um, so I won't I won't give the war stories. But when I came back from my second deployment. Uh, I was watching the movie Dark Knight. And there's a scene 
where Two-Face is sitting in the bed. Batman comes in to talk to him. And Two-Face is talking and he's normal. And then he turns sideways. And that's when they show the face that was chewed up. I was at a movie theater in Little Rock, Arkansas. And I could tell you who I was standing next to. I could see the people. I could smell them. I could smell the smells. I could feel the sunlight, everything. That's when I recognized that something was off. But shortly after that, I got recognized for an award within the Air Force uh, that essentially um, this award is, is uh, available every year. But at the level that I won it, only 20 people in 20 years will get that award. I happen to be one of them <clears throat> and it was for our career field. And so when you have that kind of, we'll, we'll put air quotations, political pressure, you don't have time to be messed up and you've got to start compartmentalizing and you've got to start learning how to stuff that baggage in the closet and then uh, make more space in the closet and then reinforce the hinges and then put the deadbolt on there. And that's what I felt like when I retired. Now, what was your military ocu- occupation? Uh, I started out as an engine mechanic for the Special Forces guys. So the uh, Navy SEALs, I was the, the engine mechanic for the PJs. So the PJs and SEALs uh, are, are pretty equivalent. Um, think of the PJs as a paramedic and the SEALs as a trigger pullers. Uh, and, and so that's kind of the simplest way to talk about those guys. And then I went into medical. And I'm using loose, loose air quotations on medical because I'm not a medic. Uh, I did environment. So like OSHA or EPA or emergency management. And depending on what situation I faced is what had I put on and what regulations I kind of operated out of to uh, get through the situation. And sometimes it was convoluted. Sometimes it was a mixture of all three. And uh, so trying to assess that. So, you know, going back into it, um, you had to be a chameleon yes. in a lot of ways. Yeah. And, you know, being, you know, um, I came from a very abused household. So I, I had to learn to compartmentalize mm. a lot of things. Mm-hmm. And it's amazing how a movie or a sound will open up a, a box that you were not supposed to open up yeah. again. And uh, then you kind of like, all right, eventually you're like, all right. They say you have a come to Jesus moment, where you're, you know, yeah. where you're like, I, I got to deal with this crap. Yeah. So what was the moment when you decided, all right, I got to deal with this? Uh, that's that's actually a really good question. Uh, so I have a book out there that I published, self-published through Amazon. And I. What's the name of it? It's uh, actually War and Peace, The Journey. And if you look me up by my name, Ty Zabel, you'll find it faster on Amazon than you will ever trying to search it. Uh, War and Peace, The Journey. That book, the disclaimer on the book is the first 10 chapters are about me getting to the AOR or, or the deployment zone. About chapter 11 to chapter 21, uh, if, if you don't like reading horror or gore, I wouldn't read the book. I put everything in there that I felt, everything that I experienced, how I thought. Everything is in the book. It's completely transparent. And chapter 22 is where I talk about the question you just asked me. 
So the point in which where I decided I need to do something about this is when I got out of the military, I didn't have other senior NCOs around me to hold me accountable. In fact, the day that I retired, I told everybody in that room, I said, guys, you realize that tomorrow you won't even know who I was. Operationally speaking, it's true. We're just another number. Doesn't matter how many stripes we have. Doesn't matter what influence we have. The next day we go and I'm just a vapor. So after I retire, I move my family from uh, Montana to Oklahoma and full disclosure, I forgot where Oklahoma was because I'd never been stationed there. I'd been a, a five day business trip there once while I was in the military. That was it. And to make things even more interesting, we decided to be start to put everything in storage and basically live out of the totes that we could stuff in a Chevy or a GMC Acadia and a Ford Fusion and drive across the country to start a new life using air quotations. And we're going to do it in a 900 square foot apartment, living on air mattresses out of plastic totes. And she was going to homeschool. Oh, and then I was going to start my master's degree and finish it up too. So you're just a glutton. <laughs> you got it, brother. That's, that's exactly what it is. And, you know, I loved your book, by the way, because oh. uh, so I knew that we were going to be talking. I, I bought it and I devoured it. Oh, wow. Just, just, just so you know, wow. it was an amazing book and um, it was real. Yeah. You know, like when I, I wrote my book, I wrote it to be real to where people can hear my voice when, when I was speaking, when I wrote my book. And the same thing with you. You can tell that it was you and it wasn't a ghostwriter. Yeah. And a lot of it, you know, I, what I got out of the book, it was an SOP of what not to do. <laughs> right. Exactly. And, <laughs> and then, how, you know, and then how to pull yourself up from the bootstrings yes, and start all over again. Yes, sir. You know, cause some people re- think, you know, that whether you're going through mental illness, like me with PTSD and tra- traumatic brain injury, you know, that they think that your past determines your future. Right. And it really doesn't. No, sir. It, it, to where more of it's like, you know, your mess becomes your message. Yes. And then we're able to, um, you know, start helping other people and start living the life that God has for us. That's right. So, so now what did you do when you first got out? You know, because like, I've talked to now hundreds of veterans. Yeah. And I just talked to a, a lieutenant colonel. He was in charge of the training for the ranger and air airborne uh doctrine yeah and, and we talked that you know when a lot of us get out you know uh like you came out was it master sergeant yeah yes sir yes sir so you know for 20 years you know your title was master sergeant that's right and for me like my title was sergeant call yeah and then he got medically discharged me first of all i lost my i lost my my friends yep I lost my mission. And then, you know, even though we think we're all hardcore and hoo hoo, <laughs> you know, right. you know, we still get coddled because we're getting paid on the first and 15th, yeah. 30 days paid vacation, SGLI and all that good stuff. Right. And when you hit the streets, most people don't have any mission or any money and they're broke, busted and disgusted. Yes. So what was your transition out like? Uh, my transition out, uh, so as I mentioned, I was now living in... Can I just say something to you real quick before we go shoot, on any further? Shoot. I love talking to you because every time I close my, hear, my eyes, 
Now, this is the thing with being blind. You can hear things. Yes, sir. Uh, I hear Matthew McConaughey. <laughs> so it's great having Matthew McConaughey talking to you. You're not, so you're not the first person you. to say that, actually. Somebody challenged me. They're like, yo, dude, like, I've read the, like, a little bit about your book, and I, I really want you to do a verbal recording on it. And I was like, I don't, man, I don't know if I can. Because when I proofread that thing, I cried seven times. Okay. So I, I, maybe I will. Maybe I'll, I'll read through it. Matthew McConaughey will, will be the voiceover. <laughs> so I just want to say I'm really enjoying this conversation. Good. Well, thank you. And thank you. My pleasure, brother. Uh, so, okay, transition. Yeah. What was it like yeah. once you decided, you know, you're, not, you're no longer an airman. You're no longer in the military. Right. And, and so the whole reason why I took the gig or decided to move to Oklahoma is because I was offered the opportunity to uh, – essentially on paper, become the risk control manager for the state of Oklahoma. And now, so that, you know, my friend, Brian Paul, I do not. I, you got to definitely need to check okay. him out. He's a, he has a heart of service for uh, all veterans and first responders. Awesome. So check. All right, go ahead. And, and so when, when I'm, when I'm in that capacity, you know, I'm six people removed from the governor, essentially on paper. Uh, there, there's a lot of, uh, a lot of data analytics that I'm doing and I'm really excited and nerding out and, and, and really kind of uncovering some things like, Oh dude, look this, we can really fix some stuff and really make a difference. And, uh, you know, and so I, there was that part of me of, of the, the need to feed the attention, uh, that, that high levels kind of seniority stuff that I'd had in the military that was fed and it was wonderful. But the family was fracturing. And so when I would come home, you know, you, you come home to, to a wife that's ticked off that you were late and ticked off that she's stuck here with the kids and ticked off she doesn't know anybody and ticked off that she can't, you know, you know you're know, you just like, whoa, whoa, that's, whoa, okay, easy, easy. Um, and so initially it's easy. You know, we can brush it off. We can talk to it. It's no big deal. Um, but after it's, you know, wash and repeat, wash and repeat, wash and repeat, wash and repeat, you're like, okay, seriously? This is really this is out of control. And, you know, and I want to tell, I'm going to touch on the subject. Um, Cause I, I talked to one of our friends, her name is uh, Gianna Verizon. Yes, and um, it's amazing how, like when we come back from overseas or, you know, like what our wives or husbands think is very important. We're just like, really, yeah. you know? <laughs> yeah. You know, it's yeah. like, we're, you're complaining about traffic, yeah, but there's no IEDs going wrong. Yeah, nobody's shooting. You ass. know, I'm glad you mentioned that because I'm when when I left uh, Iraq the second time and we stopped in Qatar, uh, you know, Army R and R Air Force. That's hardcore deployment right there, right? <laughs> <laughs> but when I'm watching dudes walk around uh, Gallivant and getting ice cream. And there's no small arms fire. There's no threat of mortar attack. I was actually really nervous. I was more nervous in Qatar than I ever was in Iraq, which is really weird. And yeah. then when I came home to the States, dude, I almost flipped out. I'm like, uh, the war, that, that's the thing on TV if we decide to watch it. And I couldn't believe it. I almost couldn't wrap my mind around it. Yeah. So like I said, it just, you know, when we, you know, when our wives are saying, giving others are flipping out about for us, we think it's inconsequential, right. but them it's important. It is. It is. So it's, and when you get home from deployment, you know, a lot of deployments, like I was talking with her, was, you know, they've kept the family together while we were deployed. That's right. You know, 
you know, and then all of a sudden we come home and we're strangers to our kids. Yep. We're strangers to the, the family dynamic and we got to fit back yes. in. And that can be a real pain in, in the neck. Yes, you it know? can. You, dude, I'm telling you, yes. Yes. And and so with with that transition thing, you know, I, I had a few folks that uh, would reach out to me every once in a while that uh, were from the base that I had just left or people that I had kind of done things with. But, you know, they get busy and and I'm not on their radar anymore because I'm not active duty. And and so that started wearing on me, you know, and then that what that actually allowed for, to happen is I was able in my mind to relax. And then that deadbolt that I had on my closet. Yeah, that thing fell apart. And then the door started surging, right, with all the things going on. And then the, the hinges start fracturing. And then about a year and a half after I retired, that's when the whole thing came wide open. And, you know, they say once the toothpaste is out of the, you know, once it's out, it's yes. out. And, you know, you, you got you either got to feed the dragon or you got, you know, you got to let it loose. So how how did you go about getting help i was actually seeing a counselor family counselor because uh, my ex now ex-wife uh, we were married for 23 years uh, recognized that something wasn't right and so she really encouraged me or drugged me to the counselor to talk to him and you know it is All right, you probably got a phone call, so it probably kicked us off for a second. But we're still here. My bad. We're, uh... Like I said, you probably just got a phone call and it kicked us out. It just muted us. It's no big deal. It happens all the time. That's why everything I do is live. Yeah. Right, go ahead, okay, brother. have you got me on now? Yep. Okay. Got cool. you. Uh, so the my my ex wife of twenty uh, convinced me or drugged me really to go to the counselor, and I'm like, yeah, well, this is buffoonery. I'm a senior NCO. I don't have issues. After I imploded, <coughs> then I was in a state of mind. Okay, now I need to listen. Now I need to learn. And what can I do to fix myself? And and that's when uh, the encouragement to really get into the writing. Uh, all the journaling I'd kind of been doing and now it's time to put the rubber to the road and actually write all this stuff out, which was probably one of the most difficult things in the world. Because as you had mentioned, the idea of recalling memories and things like that. Yeah, that's very real and it can be very, very painful. And as, as I'm working through things, um, I'm actually reading a book right now. I, uh, it's called the, Untethered Soul uh, by Michael Singer. And what this book does is it helps you realize that as you process information, you, we all have a tendency to process it through our mind. And what we need to do is realize we need to process information through our cognitive awareness and basically watch our mind and tell our mind what to do through cognitive awareness versus allowing our mind to be in control. Now, that sounds easy. But with, if you read through the book, he builds upon it and, and really gets you to understand the concepts. And it's really, really opened some stuff up for me. Uh, lots of energy, lots of positive thinking, uh, a lot of positive affirmation. I'm actually 
looking for opportunities or ways to just tell somebody thank you or, or give them a, a positive response or, you, you know, just a, hey, an attaboy or something like that. It's not something I used to, excuse me, used to do. It used to just be whatever, pinhead, sucks to be you. Or, yeah, that's right, because I'm a badass. That's why you, you appeal to me. That's right. Uh, and now it's, it's flipped. Now I have the awareness of, man, thank you. And I'm, I have a, a much greater sense of gratitude. You know, I, I love that. And that's something that I try to do. You know, I try to always put positive out. Yes, sir. Even if it's just, you know, saying, you know, thank you to the mail lady. Yeah. You know, and, you know exactly. I'm saying, you know what, thank you, you know, or even the checkout people that are, you know, that are that are helping us and they don't get thank yous they just get crapped on all the time (laughs) you know yep sometimes i think if you just say you know what thank you i appreciate everything you're doing have a beautiful day yeah and they'll be like you know that's the first time somebody said something nice to me yeah in a long time yeah and how beautiful is that that you created that moment in their mind and in that environment they'll probably never forget it you know and that's one thing now we're going to talk about you know what you're what you're up to yeah you know um it's one thing about John Maxwell that I love is that um, he always, you know, says, you know, things that he says is, you know, people may not remember everything that you say, mm-hmm. but they'll always remember how you made them feel. That's right. And I think that's um, I guess that's the way I, I try to live my life. I, it's so how did you decide to start saying, all right, I'm going to pub- I want to be a public speaker. OK, how did that uh, while I was in the Air Force, actually, I had the opportunity to go to uh, instructor school and actually became an instructor for my career field. And, man, that was awesome. And so within the Air Force world, uh, there, there's the, the, the official master instructor. You know, you get the, the ATC cookie and all those kind of things. Um, the, the version of master instructor I am in modeled all those principles. I just didn't get the, the cookie that says I'm an instructor, but uh, I've essentially done all the requirements to be a master instructor through the air force. And that's what started it. And then what got me started in the John Maxwell program was I was struggling. Uh, do you remember the Japanese nuclear reactor situation with the tsunami and all that stuff that impacted Japan? Fukunama or something like that. Yeah. It was that well, on mainland Japan. Yeah. The with that radiation fallout, I was on a team because of I was uh, working with the School of Aerospace Medicine that we were um, 30 folks, 35 folks in, in the military that were part of what's called the Air Force Radiation Assessment Team. And literally within 24 hours of notice, uh, we have to be in country wherever the radiation incident is. And I uh, got uh, myself in a situation. This is where that unpackaging, even while I was on active duty was becoming an issue. Uh, but it was, you know, I'm a senior NCO, we can tuck it away. And that's another story for another time. But I essentially got assigned to the radiation lab. And so here I am the NCOIC of the radiation lab. I have a French physicist who speaks English, uh, but with a heavy, 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 thick French accent. And then I have the dude that wrote the algorithms for one of the leading industri- uh, leading world uh, uh, radiation detection equipment things. I have a handful of enlisted folks that are just coming back from Japan that are mad as hornets. And we have to operate out of a, uh, a, a temporary facility. And then while all these samples are now coming from around the entire planet, because we're the Air Force Radiation Lab, we're going to sample all of them. We have to move to a hardened facility. 
all the equipment, all the samples, and we can't waste time to stop. So after all that was done, the, the chief came to me and he says, look, you've, you've done an amazing job with this. I now want you to run the global environmental health and safety program. And I'm like, wait, what? You, did you just preface that with global? And he's like, yeah, man, you, you just handled the, the Air Force level uh, radiation lab. Now you can handle the global Air Force problems. And I'm like, chief, you're crazy. He's like, no, I've seen your caliber, dude. Do it. I was like, chief, I, I don't, I'm glad that I've got really good smoke and mirrors, man. Um, I just hand, I just like people. And he handed me a book. It was from John Maxwell. And that's where I learned about Maxwell. This chief, this chief literally handed me this book and he says, keep it, read it. Uh, it's going to change your life. See, well, all you guys should have said to him was, all right, all right, all right. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right, all right. There you go. See? <laughs> so, you know, tell us about the man. You know, there's, John, I've talked to some people that have, you know, actually worked with you. And we actually have a friend in common. I don't even know if you knew that. No, I did not know that. Mr. Jax Young. Oh, yes. Yeah, yep. Jax. Oh, I like Jax, man. God's I, I love it. Yeah, I love where his heart is. Yep, I man, had him on my dude. show. Yeah, he's he's good people. And uh, But, you know, tell us about John Maxwell, the person. Okay. I, I've never met him. I, I uh, know his material. I used to facilitate lectures through uh, the – I facilitated them at Wright-Patterson where John is basically teaching the DVD thing, and then I would uh, serve as the segue in between the material. And that's where I really learned and developed my technique with the John Maxwell materials. And then I did the same thing in Malmstrom, and then I've actually opened um, as a speaker for one of their paid uh, guys – uh, for that company. And that's when I learned about the whole thing. I'm like, dude, this is, this is awesome. This is what I want to do. Let me, let me jump in. I'm all like all in on this stuff. And, and that's, that's how I got started. So let us tell us some secrets that about public speaking. Cause a lot of people think, you know, I just, you just get up there and, and you just wing it. And you're like, you know, and I tried that the first time. And I was like, humming, 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 humming. Yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know? And I think that they think, you know, when a person says I'm a public speaker, you know, like the average TEDx talk yeah. is only 18 minutes. Right. But that 18 minutes when you're up there can feel like four hours. That's right. So, you know, and like when I public speak, I usually go out ahead of time, shake people's hands, talk to people, get to know them. Yes. To make feel like I'm talking to somebody. There you go. You know, instead of just looking at, at an audience. So what are some of your tips that you can give some of our uh, soon to be public speakers that that's a great question i would say feel comfortable with with the material definitely don't try to speak through your teeth because they're going to see that you got to speak from the heart you got to speak with soul you got to speak with passion you've got to be engaging and as you speak one of the things i learned about speaking public speak because you know when you're up there you feel like dude everybody's staring at me uh, 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 uh. well take a survey of the room all right when you're speaking Probably only 10% of the people are actually looking at you. Everybody else is, oh, it's on my phone, right? So that's because either I'm engaging or they're just like, yeah, I got to be here because I have to be, right? And so a lot of people, if, if they are actually engaged and everybody's actually looking at you, look at their forehead. Don't look them in the eyes, but look at their forehead, almost like where their hairline is. And, and it will appear that you're looking at them right in the soul and you're actually just looking at their hairline. Okay. And that will take a lot of the edge off of the speaker 
to engage with the crowd because now as you're surveying the crowd and even if you stop and look at one person, uh, you're not looking at their facial expressions because sometimes facial expressions will derail you uh, or take your mind in another spot. So if you look around the forehead, around the hairline, those visual contextual things cannot take you out of your, your mindset. It actually complements. And then they, the person receiving you feels like, man, he's talking right to me. This is amazing. <laughs> yeah. You know, I get that. You know, like when I talk on, you know, cause I'm 80% blind and I'll okay. say, listen, guys, if you see me, I can't see you. <laughs> you know, no, you're playing on your phones. Yeah. Like, yeah. You know, and I usually tell them, listen, you know, my talk is not for 99% of you. Yeah. So get, look at your phone, you know, um, but this is for the one person that's right. that is struggling. That's right. And that's the person that's the heart I want to talk to. That's right. And then everybody listens because they know that you're not trying to sell them anything. That's right. You know, you know, you're not trying, you're just trying to help somebody. And when you tell somebody that is not for them, of course, they're going to be listening. Well, yeah. Why isn't it for me? Oh, that's right. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um, another thing too, is as you, as you speak, uh, try to come up with a good attention step, uh, captivate the audience, whatever the subject is, tie something into it that would make them, Oh, wow. I, this is for me. And then give them all, try to stick to three points whenever you're speaking, because after that, you know, you get long winded, you get tired, they get tired of listening. Uh, and then after you get done closing your three points, then you, you know, do your conclusion. But then what you want to do is you want to do what's called a remotivation. And remotivation circles back around. You're not introducing new topics, but you're giving them a new spin on why they should really take what you've taught them to heart. And that can be a lot of different techniques and styles and things like that. But if you give them that, the introduction or excuse me, attention step, introduction, conclusion, remotivation, uh, that circles the wagons. And they're like, wow, that Man, that was that was energetic. That was fun. It was exciting. It just kind of because you know when you listen to people talk, sometimes you get to the end. And you're like, yeah, I can tell you're winding down. Like seriously, I'm falling asleep. But if you hype them back up at the end with a remotivation, like, oh, dude, that was awesome. Way to complete the whole thing. That was yeah. That that would be the other thing I would suggest. Now you know, like I said, we met on Clubhouse. That was the first place we ever met. Yes, sir. we were in a room together, which I think God put it all put us all together. So that that's my opinion. Yes, sir. But. Um, you know, now, like my friend Gary, you know, Gary Vaynerchuk says, um, you know, the hottest two social media platforms are for 2021 Clubhouse and TikTok. Mm. So talk to us about Clubhouse. Why do you think for me, I actually get to hear people's soul when they're talking? Yes. And I think it's much more because you're not looking at somebody. That's right. You know, and we can interact so what is your thoughts on Clubhouse and why do you love it so much? I, I really like it because of what you just said. You get to hear the voice inflection. You get to hear the real emotions. I was just in Clubhouse today and there was a gentleman. He was on there. Uh, he's a billionaire, a veteran, served in the army and, and now is a billionaire through his products. And he's like, dude, I want to bless you. Ask me any question. And there was a lady that came on. And she asked two questions and oh boy, this billionaire goes, I'm picking up on something else there. Why don't you re-ask me that question? Dude, she burst into tears because he picked up on the voice inflection. We can put stuff on type, right? You're going to and say, I don't know what you really mean behind it, but it's the voice. 
it's the voice, it's the passion, it's the connection that drives home what's going on in Clubhouse. It was powerful. I love that. Now, so tell us what you're doing now. Tell us what you're doing today and what your mission is, because it's not about me. It's always about you guys. So yeah. what is your mission and what are you doing now? No, that's that's a great question. So after I've had this talk uh, with the middle class millionaire, which I will definitely point him to your podcast and, and you'll definitely want him as a guest because his ideas and principles are amazing. I really, I kind of started out with John Maxwell program. You know, I would love to coach and speak and, and get on the stage and motivate people and encourage them and things like that. And I have a, I actually have a story that's related from my combat scenario to tie in to, Hey, this is, this is why you should never give up. This is why you are loved. This is why, even though you think you're alone, you're really never alone. There's, there's this higher being, if it, God for me, and, and he, man, he loves you and he adores you and he wants the best for you. So that's the, that's the primary piece of that, that I would love to get off the ground. The other thing that I'm doing is, are those DISC personality assessments. What I have found is, uh, even though we as military members, we always gallivant, we don't have issues, we're squared away, blah, blah, blah. Dude, cut the crap, okay? Get real with yourself and answer the simple question, do you even really know yourself? Do you know your strengths? Do you know your biggest fear? Do you know how to communicate with other people? Yeah, we can tell a soldier or I can tell an airman or we can tell a Marine or we can tell a sailor, you know, go, go, you know, fill my sandbags and they're going to do it. When you get out of the military, you can't tell anybody to do that. And so how, how do well, we. We'll tell you to go back saying. Yeah. And so the, the concept in this disc assessment is how do we effectively communicate with people? And are there words or phrases that straight tick us off? And every time I've done this assessment, people look at this list and they're like, how in the world can a 15-minute survey know this much about me? It's world-class. When you get world-class product, you're going to get the best that's ever out there. And it's going to enlighten you and share things with you. And even when you, if you do this assessment and hand it to your wife, these two pages, or your spouse, these two pages, they'll look at it and be like, <laughs> I've been trying to tell you that for years. And now it takes a piece of paper to reaffirm that, you know, and then so then, then all the badgering starts. But the point is, this assessment is absolutely profound in what it will teach you. It will give you character. It'll, it'll, it'll basically give you the starting point to ignite your life to where you are on fire and you want to take it's, it's like that same kind, almost like kind of fire that starts resonating when you know when you feel like you're in control and you're happy and, and you're ready to move forward and, and take on the next mission that's what what it creates as an empowerment within you so then how do we find this assessment sure great question uh to to go to the assessment there are a lot of people that are disc uh certified and so there's a lot of people offering it uh you can if you would like me to do it for you with all of my background uh, I would suggest that you go to Lifetime Guidance right now uh, and uh, just go ahead and click on the, the banner to say, I'd like to have that. And then in the background, they'll send all the stuff out and then I will uh, send you the code for that assessment. And then it will be in your lap. Uh, it'll be incumbent upon you to do it. And then I'll do about a 30 minute debrief, uh, 30, 45 minute debrief on a 30 page document that gets spit out from this assessment to help you understand who you are how you can communicate and then identify things that you want to work on to start changing your life. So now um, when we um, log off, I want you to send me the the links and everything. I'll put it in the show notes yes, once, once we get done. Yes, 
Um, so last question I ask everybody, and I love it because I get a million different answers. Yeah. Um, you know, we're in such a crazy world we live in. You know, we have parents homeschooling kids, grandparents homeschooling kids um, due to COVID, yeah. parents working two jobs, just trying to put food on the table. Yeah. We live, you know, so if I ask the average person to do something in seven days, they're pretty much never going to get to it. <laughs> right. But if I ask them to take an actionable step, yeah. they're more likely to take it. Yes, sir. So if I ask him somebody to take an actionable step in 24 hours, they're pretty much going to do it. Yes, sir. So if somebody is struggling in life, uh, what is something they can do in the next 24 hours to start to right the ship? That is an awesome question. I always like to have people have actionable steps. Yeah. So they, there's something they can do. Because sometimes you get off a podcast, you're like, yeah, that was nice. Right. And move on to the next one. But this, I want all of my shows to be teachable. Yeah. So people can actually change, you know, changing lives. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, let me just throw this out there. Um, if you are physically able, start exercising. And any, any capacity of exercising, because that creates... Uh, a healthy uh, stimulus within your body. I mean, why in the military do we exercise all the time? Because it's there, there's a big component to it that just actually stimulates positive mental health for you, even though it sucks running that far. But when you get done, you feel good, right? So I would say um, if, if you're able to exercise, exercise. If you're able to write, take 10 minutes, journal three lines. And as you journal, maybe it's self-talk. Man, you know what? Yesterday was was I learned something or man, I, I'm doing good. This, that was a great day. Let's, let's try to repeat that, but just take some time to journal. But and when I say journal, I'm not saying tick, 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 on the typewriter or computer or laptop or iPad. I'm talking straight pen and paper and writing out your thoughts. Because when you write there, there is a, there, there's like a kinetic energy. There's, there's something that happens in your brain uh, that transfers energy from your hand in your brain and, and I'm telling you, it's like, it's very, very beneficial, therapeutic, right? Uh, if if uh, that doesn't interest you, meditate. Straight up meditate. And meditate on things that could potentially mean something to you. Uh, so through meditation, that's how we control our mind. We go to the gym, right? We see all these super athletes and they're like all ripped and strong and stuff like that. Well, how did they get that way? They did that because they lifted weights, why is our brain any different? We need to lift mental weights. And the way to lift mental weights is through that process of simply meditating. Meditating and getting control over your mind and getting control over your thoughts and getting control over your actions. And so without, that would be one of the three things that I would recommend in the next 24 hours that somebody needs to do to start taking control of their life. I love that. So, guys, definitely check them out. You definitely need to get that assessment. I'm going to be heading over to get to get that assessment because um, you never know. Because, you know, they say if you stop learning is when you stop growing. Yes. And uh, so you def- everybody needs – and so, uh, people don't believe it, but everybody needs a coach. Yes. And, you know, even Tom Brady, the GOAT, wants to be coached. That's right. And so I just want to say thank you. And, brother, I appreciate, you know, for you taking the time. Oh, Richard, it's my pleasure, brother. Seriously, I, I'm very honored. Yeah, I, I really appreciate you reaching out to me and allowing me the opportunity to just take up your time. 
I'm really grateful. I really appreciate it. I love it, brother. So and also I want to thank our sponsor, Jason Lane Curtis of uh, Bonvera. If you guys love energy drinks, check out Bonvera Physics Zero. And guys, def- definitely check out my brother, Ty. He's got some amazing things coming. And check out his book wherever – where is it invite- available? On Amazon? Yes, sir. It's just on Amazon right now. It's called A War and Peace, A Journey? Yes, sir. Guys, definitely pick up the book because I, I loved it so much that I'm in this, my second iteration of reading it. So definitely check out his book. All right, Ty, have an amazing day. You know, tell your friend about us. I will. He wants to come on the show. Yes, sir. Tell Jax that we had a nice conversation today. I, I sure will, Richard. Thank you. All right, brother. God bless you. God bless you, brother. All right. Bye-bye. Thank you for joining us today. Please hit subscribe and share. Please feel free to leave us a comment. 